Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. The ISO with SB Live Sports. I'm your host, Dan Dickow, covering a number of topics. We're here with a repeat guest, somebody that I enjoy connecting with and talking college hoops whenever we get the chance. He's one of the best analysts, both studio and in-game for CBS Sports Network, former college coach, a PowerPoint guard in his own right from the days of Villanova, like it. I Chris like Walker. it. What's up, brother? What's up? How you doing, man? I'm hiring you as my agent. That's oh, perfect. You, you know, multiple revenue streams is always something you got to look for. But um, tell us a little bit about what you're seeing halfway through this college basketball season, because it, where I look at things, this has been a phenomenal year for storylines and breakout players. You know, it has been, and I think the story of the year, to be quite honest, and I don't know if you would agree, is the transfer portal. I think that it's it's leveling things off. Anytime you see the Kentucky Wildcats with multiple transfers, you see what they're doing at the University of Texas. The other night, Baylor loses the kid who who, who gets the phenomenal dunk on Sports Center. I forget. I think it's Amos. I think his last name or something like that. That kid is a two-time transfer, uh, and they also have uh, Kevin uh, a banner from. Uh, a transfer as well from Oral Roberts. Like, I think that is leveling things off. Like people like when we played, that didn't happen, yeah. you know? Uh, so we're not talking as much about Paolo Bancaro or, or even, you know, Chet Hogan, like people thought, you know, we're talking about guys that are experienced. And, and, and Dan, I think you'll appreciate this. We're talking about teams more. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I think that that has been kind of the seismic shift uh, in college basketball. And you know what? Anybody can get beat on any given night. And I think that that's what people want to see counter to to college football, where you know that Alabama, Georgia is going to win 99% of the time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I love the fact that there's so many so much focus on teams. I mean, you look at Indiana or, or sorry, Wisconsin. Johnny Davis has kind of came out of the blue. He, the, a lot of the preseason talk for Purdue was based on Travion Williams, but Jaden Ivey, Zach Eady have kind of stolen a lot of the attention. Uh, and then it's been that way with a lot of other teams as well. Give us your midseason player of the year because I'm interested because you can go with lots of different options. You know what? You took the words out of my mouth. Is Johnny Davis. You know, like I, the one thing I can appreciate, Dan, and, and, and again, it's the coaching me. Like Instagram and Twitter has taken over the world of who's the best player. Yes. So highlights, not lowlights. You know, they, it comes from the AAU world. I'm a proponent of AAU. But the hype is just it's unreal of what these guys get and what they don't have to prove. You know, so it's different when they can go straight from high school to the pros. 
Because yeah. they don't have to prove anything. But when you go to colleges and you got to play against zones, you got to play against, you know, people taking you out of the game and, and being very prepared, college is different than pro. You would agree with that. It's just very different. Yeah. It's hard to stop a guy in pros. I mean, it's hard to stop a guy in pros. You can stop a guy in college. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And to see a guy like Johnny Davis come off the bench last year and see him improve the way he's improved. And, you know, and really, like, the Wisconsin surprises some people you know, uh, because he's played at a high level. And the last thing I say is, you know, they got guys that, you know, the other thing from the COVID people being super seniors help as well. Yes. I think that's the other thing uh, that helps Davidson as a super senior. He's been there for a hundred years. So that's helping Wisconsin, but Johnny Davis, I would say is the guy for me, uh, uh, you know, UCLA because of the pause, you know, Gonzaga has been kind of on a pause. Like you just, you just, some of those guys lost steam. Paul yeah. Moncaro, everyone's talked about him. But Johnny Davis has been a guy that's been super consistent. He's in a power league, and he leads, I think he's second in the country, or leads the country in scoring. And he's done it in major games, you know, like at Purdue. So with that being said, how can you not like a guy like that, you know? Yeah. Hey, give me give me your take on, because the three guys that you just mentioned, uh, or sorry, two of them, Bancaro and Chet Holmgren as freshmen, everybody knows them as as probable top three picks. I think you could probably put Jabari Smith with Auburn in that small yeah, group right now. <laughs> yes. But when you were an assistant coach and then a head coach at the college level and you'd have NBA scouts and evaluators come to practice, they know typically who the top five guys in the draft are every single year. But then when they go to practice, you might have certain guys that have strengths that jump out that are important at the college game. When you're looking and watching at college games right now, is there anybody that stands out to you as like their numbers don't jump out at you, but he's a 10-year pro? A guy like a Matisse Thibel at University of Washington is a great example from a few years ago, in my opinion. You know what's funny? That's a good question, and I need to sit with that for a second because anybody that plays it like Baylor, like guys like 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 Chachua. He'll be in the pros forever. Just he can guard every position, X, Y, and Z. Or uh, I would always think about a guy who's defensive-minded. Yeah. And it's really those three and D guys. Those guys that can make threes and those guys that are six, seven, six, eight, and just long and lengthy. And they can just guard multiple positions. Because, Dan, that's where the game's going. Yeah. Just get it, so any, so I would just say anybody like that. I know I mentioned Chama Chachua, but anybody in that realm where there's like a six, seven guard or six, seven, four man that can make shots. You know, you mentioned Jabari Smith, who I think he's going to be, he should be the first pick in the draft. Really? Uh, yeah, no, there's no question about it. I mean, he's, okay. he's the first pick. I, I like Chet. I like Paolo, but they're, you know, again, Jabari to me is just more polished than both guys, no matter what the numbers say. Um, and uh, I just think that um, I like a guy like Eason from, uh, Eason from, from LSU, guys like that will have a chance because that's where the league is going. Because how about this? If you look at, I guess, the record 500-plus players that were called up or something like that mm -hmm. from the G League and all that kind of stuff or guys that got an opportunity, those is it's all those tweeners, Dan. You know what yes. I'm saying? It's all those tweener guys that can guard and can score. It's just not enough room for them in the NBA. Yeah. You know? So if you look at the last – I always tell people this. When you look at an NBA score sheet, always look at number eight, through 15 or 10 through 15 and then tell me where school those guys went to they went to like rapper they went to like right state and you're like yo who is this guy he's six 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 seven or a guy like desmond bain who no one knew about from tc yeah. and, and look what he's doing now you know so those are the kind of guys uh in college basketball i think 
Got the, you know what? Julian Strother, like a guy like that. You'd be like, oh, he's big. Yeah. He <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. Got a chance. And in, in Strother's case, he's he's defining a tremendous role at Gonzaga and Coach Few's uh, helping him uh, excel at it. So I definitely think he's a pro. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned the name Tari Eason because he's a Northwest guy. Obviously, I'm from the Northwest. Um, I saw I never saw him play in person in high school, but I know lots of people that watched him. And I know I've watched lots of game clips uh, and games. And his progression as a player has been tremendous because in high school he was a bully four, um, and high school coaches that were preparing for him were more worried about Jalen McDaniels, who's now obviously with the Timberwolves having a nice year. When you look at a coach and you're evaluating a high school player, what were the biggest things that you focused on knowing it wasn't a polished product? Well, obviously size, size and athleticism. I mean, think about it. When you go into a game, I mean, you want the biggest team because it's bigger, stronger, faster. So if you have a guy that's 5'11", other than you, Dan, because you were nice, you have a guy that's 6'11", <laughs> or 6'1", and a guy that's 6'7", that can do the same things, the guy that's 6'7", is better because size is a talent, right? It's a skill set. Like, you can say whatever you want, but the bigger, stronger, faster guy is the best guy because look at the NBA is now. Look at the NBA now. Yeah. When you have guys, you know, uh, uh, like Gilgis, Shea Gilgis Alexander playing point guard or stuff like that, like, it's a difference now, you know, because those guys handle the ball. Uh, Chris Middleton can can play point guard. You know what I mean? So the game yeah. is, is different in that regard. But when you go to a game, the one thing you want to see, you know, like I'll take a guy like yourself. When you go to the game, like who is this little skinny kid out there? Doing next? And all of a sudden you're like, yo, he's a wizard. And yeah. he can make a shot. And he makes everyone else better around him. Because, and I always give guys this little eye test. I say, okay, let me ask you a question. You're a basketball aficionado. In a 40-minute game, how many minutes do you think you're touching the ball? Or I ask the high school kid, in a 32-minute game, how many minutes do you think you're touching the ball? Uh, 15, uh, 20? <laughs> you're probably touching it one minute. So yeah. if you're touching it one minute and you're playing the whole game, what are you doing in the 31 minutes? So what I'm saying is I watch everything they do when they don't have the balls in their hands. Yeah. That's the part that people don't understand. Does he understand midline? Does he understand, you know, changing defenses? Does he understand standing? Can he stay in the stance? Uh, for high school kids, I think it's important because, Dan, you know this. When you, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my boy who's a head coach at Fordham, and we're having a conversation about uh, is listening a skill set? Listening 100%. is a skill set. And people don't understand, like in the NBA, like I watch the NBA, you play in the league, and I always laugh. The coach will be writing, three dudes will be looking nine different plays. Yeah. And I'll be like, how do they know what he's saying? Right? Am I right or wrong? Yeah. But in college, if you're not dialed in, right, and, and you, you he's, you know, and plus he's, he's draw, diagramming it. You're looking one way, he's <laughs> diagramming the other way. How many times, damn, you walk out of huddle, guy says, so what am I supposed to do again? Right? <laughs> am I lying? <laughs> No, you're not lying. And that, that's so funny. It brings up a lot of, uh, you know, quick memories for me uh, of exactly that. Guys would be like, what, what player are we running? And, and me as a point guard, I was the one that had to quickly like, all right, you got this. We got this action or we got this play call. The most unique and interesting coach that I've ever had coming out of timeouts was Mike Dunleavy. Oh, he yeah. would call two plays. Ooh. So if you weren't locked in, he would know because most guys would get the first one. The second right. one coming, the second possession, unless you had a transition opportunity that was easy, if you didn't run that second play, it was obvious. And then myself as a point guard would have to slow it down, stop it, get everyone in the right spots. And it was 
it was a challenge for a lot of guys to put it that way. So that's why I know when a kid's not a great point guard, that's why how you know this guy's a great point guard. He, if he can't direct traffic, if he doesn't know everybody's position and be able to play for himself, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. in that moment, you got to be like, listen, man, you're supposed to go here, go there. Because some guys, they can run a play on one side of the floor. All right, man, go to the other side of the floor and run it. Uh, it's the same play, dude. You know what I mean? So so a point guard is uh, from basketball IQ. That's another thing that you look at. And people don't see that, man. Like people don't, the family doesn't see that, right? They, they only see, well, he made a shot. Well, he had 25 points. Okay, but what kind of 25 points? Eight of them were just layups with no one there. The other were, you know what I mean? Like people yep. don't understand that. And you got to do it against the equivalency of talent. Sure. You know, because, you know, it's like I say, Kyle's baskets. OK, but he played against that team. But when he didn't play, when he played against this team, he didn't do as well. Yeah, but he just had a bad game. No, that's who he's going to be playing against at the next every level. night. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if he can't do it against them, it doesn't matter if he's all district. It doesn't matter if he's all region. You know what I'm saying? He's yep. not going to because the other thing is forget about doing it against them. Not in a game sense. He's got to do it in practice against the other 12 guys just to get on the floor. Yes. Very you know, you're, you're speaking a lot of truth today, and I love it. And I've got the ability. I'm I'm looking behind you, and you've got a picture of Chris Jenkins hitting the okay. game winner in the in the national title game a few years back. Now I'm obviously a Gonzaga guy. There's a tremendous culture built around the program. Guys come move back to Spokane. They stay connected. They support the program. I view Villanova as probably having something very similar. The, the, the respect, the culture, the tradition, uh, the staying involved with the program. Give us a little bit of insight on Villanova and just how tight that program is. Yeah, played there for Rody Massimino. Jay Wright was my coach, uh, you know, at a lower level uh, on the staff back then. And then I actually worked with Jay Wright uh, as well at Villanova. And the, the slogan is once a Wildcat, always a Wildcat. Right. And uh, a lot of guys have kind of had that same thing. But the one thing I love about Villanova is you play for those who came before you. So you're not playing for yourself. You're playing for all those Wildcats, the Kerry Kittles, the Tim Thomas, the Josh Hart, the Doug West, you know, Ed Pinkney. Like there is a culture there of this little small school. And, and Gonzaga is similar to that, where it's this little tiny school, because I've been the head coach of Texas Tech and I've worked in the Big 12 and the SEC and all. I'm like, how is this little school with this many people winning the national championship or how is Gonzaga getting to the final four or a school like Butler getting to the final four? Yeah. And it really starts with culture and belief. And I'm telling you right now, I, I mean, people call Villanova fortune 500 company. Like when you talk to every kid, there is a, like if you go to Apple or you go to Google, they have a message, they have a thing. It's the same way with Villanova. You can say, Hey Dan, uh, da, 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 da you know what? I'm just trying to play Villanova basketball hard, <laughs> smart together with pride. Like it's like robotic. And that's what it is. Everybody's on the same page. And if everybody's on the same page and the one thing I'll say about Villanova, when you watch them, like last night, they play Xavier. They may not look like the most talented team. Colin Gillespie wasn't even thought of as a top 300 recruit. But when you get in that culture and you're surrounded and then you got, I call him George Clooney, when you got Jay Wright and, and all they do, we call, they goon you out. They just play harder than you. And so if they play harder than you, Dan, and you know this in college basketball, if you can just give them to play hard in high school basketball, you could beat anybody. Yeah, You could beat anybody in high school if you just give them to play hard. Now, if you give them some skill and they got some toughness and togetherness with a little talent, you got something. And that's Nova. That's what it is. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm just telling you that's and you know what? 
And I'll say this, Dan, Villanova has made pros. They haven't recruited pros. They've made pros. And, and, and that's where I love Villanova because it's counter to, again, nothing wrong with Kentucky, Duke, and all those places. It's counter to that because it goes as a throwback. Hey, man, if you go in there and you bust your chops, you wait your turn, and you do X, Y, and Z, you can make your dream come true. And that's what Nova has done. You know what? I love the breakdown and the insight on Villanova. It's one of the programs that – uh, outside of Gonzaga, I try to follow closely when I'm watching it as a with coach's eyes for my son's group. I try to watch in how they space the floor, how they attack the paint. And correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm right. Everything in the paint ends with a jump stop, a quick stop. Everything's off two feet. I love that because it provides so many more options and, and guards don't get rushed when when maybe they don't have the size or the athletic ability to finish over the top like other guys. Is my right in, in seeing that? And also to prevent charges. So when you, so the other thing is that that's one to prevent charges. Because in the NBA you can't jump stop. You got to get to the rim. You know, yeah. it's just, they don't it's, have you time. Don't have so so they actually have to like retrain the brain. But the reason why they do that as well is because they don't recruit bigs. So people don't realize well Villanova doesn't they don't play in the post. Yes they do. They play in a post with their guards. So they use their guards as post-up players. That's why they do so. So Justin Moore, back you down, back you down, back you down. Pivot, 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 layup. Colin Gillespie, same thing. Jalen Brunson was amazing at it. And that's another way that people aren't really thinking that if a guard who has great footwork and he has great balance, you know, those guys, and you have shooters and everybody's being spaced and they're afraid to leave the shooters, you have them one-on-one, two feet from the basket. So you're going to get a layup or get fouled. That's, yeah. that's the theory behind it, you know? But you got to well, have shooters, though. That's the thing, the space to, you know, to make them stay with their guys because if they can just stay in the lane, it'll never work. Well, Chris, I love it. I love catching up, talking college hoops. Going to have to bring you back on sooner rather than later because uh, there's lots of other teams that I think you would provide a tremendous insight and analysis on when you come to New York man that's all I want is when you come into the city man when you getting out yeah here. hey we got to get uh Ben Stauber and everybody to put me on the uh <laughs> yeah. on the studio list this year hopefully it'll happen I know with games being canceled left and right the last couple of weeks they're uh they're trying to get me rescheduled with as many as possible that's good man well, I look forward to it man I'll say this man I'll give you credit for one thing a you're an amazing player but you're the one guy that got me to pronounce Gonzaga the right way. So I'll give you a little for that. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Chris. Have a great right, rest of the day. We'll come back soon. For sure. Take care. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.